0: And welcome to the Axiom Podcast. This is Joey Brannan and we are on episode 46. We're going to be talking about the last chapter of the book that I wrote called Grow With Purpose and this is the chapter that's in, in one sense the least business and in another sense the most business of all. So we'll get into the chapter, I'll come back afterwards and we'll talk about it a little bit more. Chapter 10, Business as Ministry. I had been working with Gary for a couple of years when one of his employees sent me an email out of the blue. It said, Gary's not going to say anything about this because that's just the kind of guy he is, but you need to ask him to play a recording we made on his phone yesterday. I was intrigued to say the least. At our next meeting, I mentioned the recording and Gary pulled out his phone. There are a few things you need to know about Gary. He cares about his employees, He cares about his customers, and he cares about people. Over the last 30 years, he has built a multi-million dollar roofing company that employs over 150 people. Several years ago, he partnered with a group called No Roof Left Behind to provide two free roofs a year to people in need. Every six months, the company has a contest where the public can submit nominations and vote on a winner. Suppliers chip in with donated materials, and Gary's employees donate their time to install the roof. It has been a great program for the community and for Gary's team. Back in Gary's office, he played a recording of the phone call he had made to the second-place finisher. These are usually somber calls to thank the person for participating and to wish them well. The second-place finisher was on speakerphone. And I could tell from the recording that Gary's office was full of people. Something was clearly going on that the caller didn't expect. She was remarkably gracious. I heard her say that the family who won the contest needed it more than she did. She seemed genuinely happy for them. When it was Gary's turn to speak, he said, Well, uh, we've been talking about it here in the office, and everyone here is behind you. We're going to do your roof, too. We're not going to make a big deal about it, but you deserve it, and we'd like to do it for you. People in the office started chiming in and offering their support and congratulations. You could hear the tears over the phone. Gary had made the recording for employees who couldn't be on the call and so that his wife could hear it. There was no press release, no fanfare, no videos posted on YouTube or Facebook. No one was asked to donate time, although several did, When they heard the call, vendors weren't lined up to contribute materials, although some did after hearing Gary's employees retell the story with pride. But Gary's not alone. Another client, Dean, was walking through his company's parking lot one day and noticed balding tires on a new employee's car. He knew she had just moved from out of state and still had to make a couple of trips back up north to take care of some things before she could move to Florida permanently. He retraced his steps across the parking lot, where a team of mobile mechanics was performing service on the company's fleet vehicles. Between oil changes and inspections, Dean asked them to put four new tires on the employee's car and add it to the bill. Now, a cynic might say, but these are business owners. They're getting rich, and they can afford it. It's the least they can do. But it doesn't stop with the business owners. Gary's employees were already putting a new roof on a customer's house when they heard his story of stage four cancer and a prognosis of just two months to live. The customer's biggest concern was leaving his family in a good spot, literally ensuring they had a roof over their head that didn't leak. Gary's team started making calls. They got Gary on board. Then they enlisted the support of vendors. They took up donations from coworkers and suppliers. Within the span of a week, these employees finished the roof, returned the family's deposit, and tore up their invoice. Dean's employees had their world rocked when one of their coworkers was diagnosed with terminal cancer. They immediately began donating sick and vacation time so their coworker could keep receiving a paycheck and maintain health care benefits. When this happened, we were in the middle of a strategic plan that would pay out cash bonuses if teams hit their goals for the quarter. Spontaneously, teams voted to forgo their bonuses and send the money to the family to help cover living expenses. These are pretty grand gestures, and we'd like to think that in a similar situation we would do the same thing. But the truth is that for every grand gesture, there are one or two hundred instances where the business changes someone's life in a seemingly small way. It might be a second chance given to an employee, an offer to pray for a customer taking an extra five minutes with someone after a staff meeting, offering to pay a new vendor up front until things get going, or helping employees get their citizenship. These are all real examples that happen every day in our client companies. It is the reason I love serving this group so much. Why do business owners decide to work for themselves? They may want more control or autonomy, They may see a better way and believe that no one else will let them pursue it as an employee. They may want greater influence or more power. They may see it as a way to earn more money. But then what? At some point, the list of more runs out. As a general rule, business owners are not selfish people. They make their living serving others. The most successful business owners I have ever met are the best servants. In the beginning, they are concerned with survival just like anyone else, but as growth assures survival, they move into the realm of more. And those things that seem so attractive, more money, more control, more freedom, cease to be the driving force. It is at this point that more mission gets their attention. Your Business as Ministry To minister means to attend to the needs of someone. What is business if not attending to the needs of employees and their families, customers, suppliers, vendors, and the community we do business in? Needs are everywhere, and in our society, business meets a tremendous amount of those needs. To see your business as ministry is to see it rightly. It is also the key to growing your mission and achieving greater things than profits or status. I believe, and my clients have proven out, that small business growing with purpose can change the world in more lasting and meaningful ways than any church program, nonprofit, government institution, social club, volunteer group, or grassroots movement. Churches need parishioners. Government programs must seek out the disenfranchised and disadvantaged. Nonprofits must hone their focus to a specific group or need that will resonate with a specific community of contributors and volunteers. Service clubs must focus their attention inward at the members as much as outward at the recipients of service. But a small business has the opportunity to minister and meet needs across this entire spectrum. Its employees, customers, and vendors may never darken the door of a church, but they readily show up to be ministered to on a daily basis. It may employ those at the lowest end of the economic spectrum and provide for their needs while simultaneously employing some who can afford to give generously and abundantly. A small business need not concern itself with definitions of the disadvantaged or disenfranchised to make a difference in the lives of one individual or an entire community. It can tackle causes that may be unpopular with donors or out of fashion with the nonprofit community. It can pour into the lives of its employees, knowing that they will transmit that care and ministry to customers. Who have you been called to minister to? What needs have you been called to meet? My great goal in this book and in my life is to put business owners on firm financial, operational, and strategic footing so they can pursue their calling And use their business as the very vehicle through which they bring their ministry to the world. A word about charity. When we talk about using a business to do good, most people assume that we mean using profits to support worthy causes. That misses the mark entirely. Being charitable is the minimum requirement for any business. Whether it's supporting the Girl Scouts cookie drive or sending aid to a community devastated by a hurricane, Charity is the natural response of people with resources caring for those without them. When businesses ignore charity, it is because they are suppressing this ethical and moral calling to give. It turns out to be short-sighted because businesses that are capable of suppressing the calling to serve one group, namely people and places in need, can just as easily suppress the calling to serve other groups that matter, their employees, customers, suppliers, and community. These greedy businesses are outdone by their competitors and become irrelevant if they manage to stay in business at all. So let us assume that charity in business is table stakes. Without it, you will not be in the game long enough to make a difference. But while charity may soothe the conscience of the business owner, it will not change the world. Rather, it delegates the task of difference-making to someone else. Charity says... I will provide the resources while you go figure out the need and how to meet it. I believe our highest calling is to be business owner ministers, not financiers. And ministry in business says something quite different. It says, I will make it my life's work to meet the needs of others. And I will do it in a way that I never run out of resources and I will work to meet more needs and expand my ministry over time. Building a mission-driven business should be about the growth of your ministry. The growth in profits is the conduit through which you provide the resources for more mission, for more ministry. Secular Ministry Ministry is a loaded term bound up in all kinds of religious presuppositions. But I want to make it clear that ministry in business is more tangible than most people will admit. To see this, you need only to look at some of the most recognizable brands in business today. The adventure race industry was born from a recognition that lots of normal, marginally in-shape people need a sense of risk and adventure they don't get to experience in their daily lives what tough mutter savage race and spartan race tapped into was a very real human need and yes they contribute charitably to causes such as wounded warrior project but make no mistake they are successful because their ministry is successful imagine the first time this idea was pitched hey i got a business plan i want to run by you I'm going to take a bunch of building materials and bulldozers and barbed wire out to the middle of nowhere, and we're going to build this obstacle course full of mud. Oh, and, and, and we're going to charge people 150 bucks for the privilege of being miserable for four hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Uh, our target market, uh, they are 30 and 50-year-olds who uh, spend their days behind a desk. That's who we're after. Have you ever been to one of these events, one of these mud race events? They are often sold out weeks or months in advance. Soccer moms and dads far outnumber college students. There are more love handles than six-packs, and everything about these events, from spear chucking to running through electric wires carrying 10,000 volts, is designed to meet the need for adventure. Is it profitable? Of course it is. Does it change lives? Let me ask it this way. If your company's business was to produce events all over the world that participants would remember for the rest of their lives and that the vast majority would count as a major positive milestone, do you think you'd be changing more than a few lives? Weight Watchers ministers to the need for self-esteem. Weight loss factors into the equation, but what makes Weight Watchers stand out after all these years is its focus on accountability and community. What makes people weigh in, in public, when the thing they are most terrified of in the world is someone watching them get on a scale? Could it be that an innate need for self-esteem is being met that is much more powerful than fear of judgment? Chick-fil-A ministers to our need to experience courtesy and gratitude and the dignity of work. Yes, the chicken sandwiches are good, but the teenagers behind the counter who answer every request with, it's my pleasure, have much more to do with the company's consistent growth and market dominance. And the previously retired dining room attendants refilling lemonade cups and handing out clean placemats are the reason germophobic moms with toddlers won't go anywhere else. Home Depot's old tagline, you can do it, we can help, recognizes our need for self-reliance and accomplishment. The aisles are staffed with experts who gave up their trade to come work retail. The guy helping you pick out tile can tell you how to install it because he had his own tile business for 20 years. When you come back later that afternoon, the smile on his face says, I know exactly what happened. Here's how you're going to fix it. But my favorite example might be UPS. Their brown trucks and the people who drive them meet our need for personal relationship in transactions epitomized by depersonalization. The buyer and the seller may never meet one another, may never know a thing about each other, but the fact that I know the UPS driver's name who delivers goods to my customers gives me peace. After all, she knows my name and wants to know how my vacation went last week. I trust her with my stuff, and the person at the other end does the same. She is the figurative glue that holds the transaction together. I'm not saying these companies are perfect. They have their problems and their challenges. But if a multi-billion dollar company can exemplify ministry when it can't possibly know every customer employee's name, what excuse do we have? Ministry is waiting for you. And when you decide to take it up as your life's work, your employees and customers and everyone touched by your business will be better for it. Their biggest need and ours. If ministry is about meeting needs, I would be remiss if I didn't address what I believe to be the greatest need of them all. When asked to name the greatest commandment, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I believe that herein lies the fulfillment of our greatest needs. First, our need for a relationship with our God and Creator. I have this need. You have it. Our employees have it. Our customers have it. If we ignore it, We miss the fullness that is waiting for us. We look for purpose in places we cannot find it and are left wanting something we cannot quite place our finger on. The sin in our life has broken that relationship with God, no matter how trivial we believe our sin is or how overshadowed we might think our sin is by a lifetime of good works. We cannot find relationship with an almighty, all-perfect God while we are tainted by any fraction of imperfection. That relationship with God can only be had through acceptance of the person of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for us. That is our greatest need, all of us. And if you've been brought into the calling of ministry as meeting others' needs, you cannot ignore our greatest need. I am privileged to work with many business owners who recognize that need and strive to use their business to meet it every day. Our second greatest need is to love those we encounter. Notice I did not say to be loved by those we encounter. We enjoy being loved, but we have a greater need to love. Life is full of this truism and pithy sayings like, it is more blessed to give than to receive, and you always get more than you give. Those who serve, who love the most, are consistently the most happy, the most fulfilled, the most joyful. It is not the act itself— It is the fact that the act scratches an itch deep inside of us. This itch is the key to your ministry. What is it that enables a business owner to stick to a plan with dogged persistence? What is it that empowers owners to have tough conversations about accountability and leadership? What enables business owners to sacrifice for years when they could be earning more and doing less if they just worked for someone else? What will make you stand out from other business owners and grow a mission-driven business, a business with purpose, with meaning? It is love of your neighbor. That is the difference. In the act of loving, you will articulate values that call people to their very best selves. You will lay out a vision worthy of their best effort. Your mission will inspire them to extraordinary action. Love will give you the energy to communicate your vision relentlessly and to hold individuals to the standards laid out in your values. Love will allow you to be the servant leader your employees and customers are proud to follow. It will infuse your standard processes and procedures with life and joy that stand out from your competitors. Love of your neighbor will help you market to and meet the genuine needs of your customers. It will make you accountable for the time you spend and the projects you spend it on. Love will even give you the influence to ask for hard numbers and demand financial stewardship of yourself and your team. Love will give you the insight and wisdom to focus on the strategies that matter while saying no to distraction. Love of your neighbor will do all of these things for you, but only after it does something to you it will change you more profoundly than it changes your company or the world around it if you have not experienced the life-changing love of god in the person of jesus christ start there your ministry will be profoundly different if you do so there you have it that's my take on business's ministry it you know it strikes people a little bit weird when you first say business's ministry because they do get tied up and all of the religious connotations for that. And like I said in the chapter, I don't shy away from that at all. That That's part of who I am. That's part of of my faith. And it's very important to me. And I believe God's put me here on this earth to do exactly what I'm doing right now. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from that. And, and some people appreciate that. I think I think a lot of people appreciate it, even if they don't agree with it. Um But when we talk about ministry, the thing that I want business owners to understand, the thing I want everybody, the thing I want leaders inside companies to understand is that you should be attending to the needs of those around you, whether those are customers, whether they're direct reports, whether they're colleagues, whether they're bosses, whether they're the person you share an office suite with or the the person you lease out part of your building to. If you're not attending to needs, if, if you, I'm going I'm to slow down and say this very clearly, if you're not attending to needs, you're probably not doing very good business. I mean, at its at its basis, business is about capitalism, in particular, is about you see a need and you fill it. You and and that need it's a real need for somebody, and filling that need has value to them and they're willing to exchange something that they have that's, a, that's of more value to you than it is to them to fill that need. So if, if I go to the grocery store, the food is more important than the couple of hundred bucks I might spend to feed my family that week. And for the grocery store, the money, the two hundred dollars, is more important to them than the food that's the exchange of value that happens. The money's more valuable to them the food's more valuable to me, so we're willing to make a trade and that's That's kind of free market capitalism now one of the things that 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 gets parodied a lot, and this is what I kind of wanted to talk about most in the in the commentary is that A lot of the world, and it's it's primarily due to the way we've been portrayed in the media, the way the Hollywood studios have set up businesses, the Gordon Geckos of the world, dating myself a little bit with that reference, but they've set businesses up to be these greedy, Scrooge ish characters where it's all about the money, it's all about getting rich, it's all about them and they're willing to screw customers, and it's a cutthroat world, and it's highly competitive. And I'm not saying that's not the case, but I'm saying that if that is the norm, why isn't that what we see every single day in small businesses? And, and we do. We are neck deep in small businesses. This week alone, as I'm recording this, it's a Friday morning. This week alone, we've, that's all we've done, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Meet with businesses. Monday, talk to businesses on the phone, getting ready for the meetings we're going to have this week. We're neck deep in this stuff, and we don't see a bunch of scrooges out there who are out there to just rip off everybody and take advantage of things. That's not what we see. What we see are people who are kind, generous, charitable, full of grace, compassion, forgiveness, ambition. Drive determination, opportunity, and the leaders on the the best teams that not all of them but the best teams that we work with, the best leaders on those teams are those who wrap their head around this idea of servant leadership you Your responsibility is to make those who report to you those for whom you are responsible to make them successful, to provide the tools, the resources, the exhortation, the encouragement, the training for them to be successful. The systems, the processes, the software applications, the access to customers, the access to suppliers, that they need to be successful. And so that's what we're about. When we when we talk about servant leadership when we start talking about ministry and attending to the needs of others, that's what we're talking about. And business as a whole, it's not just the leaders in the business that need to take stock of, of where they're at on the spectrum of ministering to the needs of others. It's the business. The business itself needs to stand back and say, what are we really offering the world? What, what is it that, that we are doing that's making the world a better place that wouldn't be happening if we weren't there doing it? And that, and that can be very challenging because you could say, well, we sell air conditioners and the world's a more comfortable place before because we sell air conditioners. But lots of people can step into your shoes and sell air conditioners. If you went out of business tomorrow, the vacuum would be filled. The, those customers would be spread out among your competitors because they've got to have their air conditioners sold. There are very few, very few industries, very few businesses that if they disappeared tomorrow, the vacuum could not be filled by others, so it's not the it's not the thing. I mean, in some sense, it is the thing that you're providing, but most often, most often, it's the way that you're providing that thing that is making the world a better place. It, that's where your contribution lies, and the thing that you provide is just the excuse. It's the platform that gives you the opportunity to attend to the needs of others, and this goes back. We're not. We're, and when when I talk about this stuff, I'm never gonna be able to stray very far from the spiritual side of this because I believe that we were made by our Creator to be relational beings, that we have an innate need inside us. Even at the 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 most introverted introvert has a need for relationship. We have a need for community. Devin, who works alongside me. It's actually his three year anniversary today. I'm very excited about that. He's been with us for three years. He's become one of my closest friends. He's got a brilliant mind and he's just a fantastic consultant. And he is always cognizant of this idea of community. And we've been created for community and we need to be creating community in our companies and among our customer bases. And the reason that we have that itch is because it was put there by our creator. He wants us to be relational beings. So when we talk about business and meeting the needs in the world, at its most foundational human level, it needs to meet that need for relationship. And yes, there are products and there are services that need to be provided and that customers are asking for, but there's a huge difference in the impact that you make on the world and and the value that you create outside your products and services in how you bring that air conditioner to that person, how you fix the car at your auto mechanic shop, how you install a roof on a customer's house, the way in which you do those things is ultimately what will determine the difference that you make in the world. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you can do it incompetently. Like the, the table stakes, the very minimum bar is competency. You got to be competent. If you're not if you're incompetent, then you can have the best attitude in the world and you can try to build all the relationships you want, but if you're incompetent, it's not going to go very far. So we have to be competent. But there are a lot of competent companies out there that fail to meet that bar of scratching the deeper itch that lies inside all of us. So there's not a whole lot more to say about This It's probably going to be the shortest commentary because i kind of like you to sit with it for a second. I'd like you to take a moment to think about what is it that I do and am I competent in it? That's, that's number one. You've got to be competent. But once you reach that bar of competency, how is it that you are really attending to the needs of others? How are you really ministering in your business? how are you ministering in your leadership capacity and if it's not building deeper relationships and deeper communities in the places where you walk and talk and deliver service then it's not as deep as it could be it's not as fulfilling as it could be and it is a lot of work it's a lot of it's not just a lot of work to build the competency it's a lot of emotional work to get invested and to put yourself out there. And there's a lot of vulnerability that's involved. But if you're willing to do it, you'll find that on the other side, it's a much more fulfilling existence, not just as a business owner, not just as a leader in a business, not just as an employee who's, who's got lots of opportunity in front of them in a business, but as a human being. And when you go home to your families, when you go home, you go out with your friends, and you're talking about what you do, it, it's not a job it's a calling and i'm not I, I don't want to get into the the world where we're talking about follow your passion follow your passion that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about whatever your passion is you ought to be trying to to build those relationships in that community And if you're not lucky enough to have a job that will pay you enough to support your family and your lifestyle by following your passion, a lot of people don't. You shouldn't feel bad about that. In your job, even if it's not your passion, you have an opportunity to take it to a much deeper level. And it starts, we go all the way back to chapter 1 it starts with those values. If your company doesn't have a set of values and, and you're the leader, you're the owner, the first thing you ought to do is sit down with a pencil and a pad of paper and say, what are the three or four non-negotiable values that are going to exist in this company? And they may not be there today. We may have some toxic elements of the culture we're going to have to deal with, but I'm not going to think about those right now. I'm going to think about... What are the non-negotiables that are going to exist from here forward? And then we'll make the hard decisions and have the hard conversations. But you can't build your company around the things that you have settled for over the, the last 15, 20 years or five years or however long it's been. And if you sit down and figure out what those values are, now you have a basis for going out in the world and governing your behavior and how you deliver whatever product or service it is you deliver. And then you can, you can move on to the why, and you can start to talk to people to, about the why, why it is that you do what you, you do. And that'll deepen and strengthen those relationships as you find people around you who want to come alongside you because they believe in the same things you do that for the same reasons that you do. But no matter who you interact with, those values are the bedrock of your of your service or product delivery they govern how it is that you do what you do not what you do so i hope you've enjoyed kind of walking through chapter by chapter it's helped me cuz this is what we're going to be using for our uh, the audible version of this book so we had to get the, the chapters recorded anyway and thought well let's just use them as podcast episodes too and that way people who are listening to the podcast they get the benefit of the Audible book without having to go out and buy it. So that was uh, that's kind of the bonus there. So we will be back next week. We've got pretty good lineup. We've got some guests coming in we're excited about, and we'll get on a weekly release schedule again, which is something else that I'm very excited about. Until then, if you have questions, if you want to talk about this stuff, if you want to reach out and say, some of this stuff has resonated with me, I'd like to talk more Uh, This ministry idea is interesting. Never really thought about it that way. Please reach out to us. You can reach us on our website. You go to axiomstrategic.com. There's plenty of ways to get in touch with us. And uh, we'll see you back here next week.